Matthew chapter 26. Y'all doing okay tonight? Isn't it good to serve the Lord? And um, I'm thankful that we don't need illicit substances to have fun. There's an interesting pattern of people that that leave church. And it's very interesting how often drinking is involved in that. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Such an interesting thing. What part of the, the world do you want to go back in? And anyway, uh, let's just look at Matthew chapter 26. I'm just so bothered by it. You know, it just grieves my spirit. And, you know, we all have sin that we deal with in our lives. All of us do. How many of you have sin that you deal with in your life? And I do too. And that's why I'm really thankful that this isn't one of them. You know, uh, I think maybe that I'm the kind of person that could have a problem with drinking if I if I got into it. Um, how many of you, there's times when your stress is in such a way that you, it'd be nice to have something to take it away? Right? No, we have that. It's called the Holy Spirit, right? Self-control and those things. But I'm just thankful that this is not something that I've ever gotten into. And there might be some people here that have had issues with it. What I want to do is I'm going to go through something. I think I'll do it fairly briefly. And then if you have any questions about this subject, I want to deal with them tonight. So uh, get your questions ready on that. Um, Or if you have, you know, when I was talking about dancing and, you know, worldly activities and things, we're going to be dealing with some of those things next week. I I don't think I'll do any more on dancing next week, but um, I might do some dancing next week, but I don't know that I'm going (laughs) to. All right. Matthew chapter 26. So anyway, I was saying, if you want to ask a question about any of those things tonight, that would be great. All right, Matthew chapter 26, and look at verse 26. And as they were eating, so this is the, the upper room, this is the, the Last Supper, and it's taking place on Passover. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the, to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the wine and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of the wine, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this wine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, please help us as we study this subject tonight to get a good understanding of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, did I read something different than what the Bible says? Then why do so many people, even in Christian songs, that the word wine is used in the Lord's Supper? And we're going to go through some of that tonight, and I want you to see. Notice what Christ says, and we're going to define it. What's the best commentary on Scripture? Scripture. Scripture. So we're going to define some of this from the Bible tonight. Let's see what, whether or not Jesus Christ used fermented wine at the, the, the Last Supper and instituting the Lord's Supper. And you know that, um, that in Roman Catholic circles, the, the Eucharist is always with fermented wine. Um, an Anglican pastor said it's required that the uh, wine in the Lord's Supper, communion for them, be fermented. There are uh, Baptists that are of the Reformed persuasion, that are moving toward that because it just seems like Calvinism and drinking go hand in hand. 
I think John MacArthur might be an exception in that. But John Piper says it's okay to drink, and, and these people are all moving in that direction. So these, these young pastors are really being influenced by it. So let's see if Jesus Christ was using fermented wine at the Last Supper. So verse 29, again, look at what the Bible says. But I say in or verse, uh, verse 29, But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So there's a couple of words in there. It is amazing how we understand the Bible when we read the words. Now, th that sounds like a silly statement, doesn't it? Right? I said to a guy one time, we were having a, a debate, and I said, if you'll listen to my words, you'll understand what I'm saying. You know, have you ever been talking to somebody and, and they're not listening to you, they're waiting for their next statement to get across? And it's hard to have any kind of uh, an understanding when you do that. But look at what this says. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine. And I want you to picture what Jesus Christ is doing. I think he's holding up a cluster of grapes in his hand. This fruit of the vine. Let's see if there's any scriptural warrant for that. Um, look at Genesis. Keep your place in Matthew 26. We're going to come back. Genesis chapter 40. All right, so Joseph is interpreting the butler's dream. And look at what he says here. Look at verse 9. Um, and the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream, behold, a vine was before me. And in the vine there were three branches. And it was as though it budded, and her blossoms shot forth, and the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. That's what they did. They just took fresh grapes, squeezed it into the cup, and you have grape juice. This fruit of the vine. And that's exactly what's being described here in Genesis chapter 40. Um, Jesus, he had to have some fruit in his hand. He said this, this, this fruit squeezed directly into the cup and it's not in a bottle. This is such an interesting thought. It's not in a bottle. And he said this, I'm going to drink this new, this new wine with you in the kingdom is what he says. So let's try to get, let's track this down through the Bible. Go to Isaiah chapter 65. So when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, what does that fruit of the vine represent? And it's not a trick question. So when we take the Lord's Supper and we drink the grape juice, what does it represent? His blood that was shed, right? So look at Isaiah chapter 65 and look at verse 8. Thus saith the Lord, as the new wine 
is found in the cluster, and one saith, Destroy it not, for a blessing is in it, so will I do for my servant's sake, that I may not destroy them all. So, new wine is found in the cluster. All right. So, Michael Scott wrote this. He said, It would be shameful and shocking to liken the blood of Jesus Christ to the rancid, old, rotten, reeking, repulsive sediment of fermented grapes. What a judgment a man must have waiting for him who would do a thing like that and then teach Christians that it is sanctified and honored by the Holy Bible and the Holy Spirit. So if, the, if that cup that we use, and it's filled with grape juice that represents the blood of Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ said, this fruit of the vine... Let's see if there's any relationship between that and the blood of Jesus. So go go to Deuteronomy chapter 29. Deuteronomy 29, look at verse 6. Right. He said, Ye have not eaten bread, neither have ye drunk wine or strong drink, that ye might know that I am the Lord your God. Okay? So this is him talking to Israel, Moses speaking to Israel. Now, go with me to chapter 32 and verse 14. This is pretty interesting here. 32.14. All right, he's saying what they can have, butter of kine, and milk of sheep with fat of lambs and rams of the breed of Bashan and goats with the fat of, with the fat of kidneys of wheat. And look at what it says. And thou didst drink the pure blood of the grape. The pure blood of the grape. Now let me ask you a question. The pure blood of the grape, does that sound fermented? No, no one would call that pure. It's fermented. Right? There's a difference between something that is pure and something that is fermented. So if the grape juice that is pictured as the pure blood from the grape comes from the cluster, and it's not strong drink or wine, according to Deuteronomy 29.6, then it is grape juice that Jesus Christ squeezed into the cup at the Lord's Supper. And I don't know if I mentioned this this morning, but one of the problems that we have is when we use the word wine, we think of fermented wine. The Bible uses it both ways. The Bible uses it for fermented or unfermented. And the context will tell you what it is. And it is honestly fairly simple to determine it because when it's bad, it's fermented. And when it's good, it's not. Right? Unless it's being used for medicine. Okay? So, um, it is by an erroneous understanding of the Scripture that Catholicism, along with many other denominations claim that believers must drink wine from the bottle, old wine, to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Old wine as opposed to new wine. Catholics go one step further by saying that the elements of the Lord's Supper, through the blessing of the priest, become the literal body and blood of Jesus Christ. And you all know that that's what they teach. And I'll, I'll go to the text. Well, let's go there now. We'll go to John chapter 6. This is the basis for that teaching. It's amazing how often, if you'll just continue reading, that God clears up any confusion. 
in the immediate context. All right, so look at John chapter 6 and look at verse 47. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Jesus said, I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread. Now, let me ask you something. That, that uh, bread of life that Jesus is, would that be leavened bread or unleavened bread? Because leaven's corruption. Did Jesus have any corruption in him? No, 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 it's clear. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Now that would be pretty weird, right? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Verse 54, Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him, as the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father. So he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. Now, if you just stopped there, you'd say, okay. I guess transubstantiation, that's the technical term for it, where the, the, through a mystical transformation, the, the elements of communion become the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Now, look at what it says in verse 59. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Now, how many of you know that Jesus Christ would often give hard sayings to test whether or not these people were going to trust him? How about when he said to Abraham, Take your son, your only son, Isaac, and sacrifice him. Is that a hard saying? Did he have to sacrifice him? No. No. This is a hard saying. Look at verse 61. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? It's, honestly, when you read the Bible, it can be funny. Right? I, I just think that's hilarious. Doth this offend you? Verse 60, what would you say? Yeah. Man, I love you. I don't want to eat you. Right? Insert your favorite cannibal joke here. Right? I'm trying not to. You guys heard about the cannibal that <laughs> threw up his arms in disgust? Uh, um. Ate a missionary, got a taste of religion. All right. Don't eat clowns because they taste funny. All right, so. Now, here's the thing that's so important. Cannibalism is forbidden in Scripture. 
would Jesus Christ ask them to do something that's forbidden in Scripture? It's interesting. So Jesus Christ, is it's a hard saying. So he said at the end of verse 61, Doth this offend you? Verse 62, What? And if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? If that offends you, wait until you see me fly away. Right? Guys, there were no Marvel movies. There was no Superman. No one had seen a special effect. And this is not a special effect. He actually did it. You think that's going to offend you? What if I ascend? Then he gives the explanation. It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. So let's, let's stop. Is the issue his flesh or the words? Right? And the issue is not whether or not they eat him. The issue is whether or not they believe him. That's what it says right here. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then... It's like a friend. Somebody tells you they'll be your friend. You know, I've had people that'll say that. Man, Pastor, we've got your back. You're the greatest preacher I've ever heard. We've never heard Bible like this before. And three months later, they're gone because I said something about dancing. Whatever. You know, it's interesting. So what is it that will cause you not to go with us any farther? For this, these are things that Jesus put in their path to see, are you going to go with the next step? Are you going to believe me? Are you going to trust me? So this teaching of transubstantiation, so what they have is the Roman Catholics have the blood being fermented and the blood and body actually being eaten. And so this, again, this is from Michael Scott. He said this, um, intoxicating wine is the emblem of disease, sin, and death. Moreover, just think of the condition. Oh, no, that's the wrong one. Um, I'll find it in a minute. So this, this concept of transubstantiation of the blood and the cup being the fruit of the vine being fermented, it just simply does not fit with Scripture. All students of the Bible know that Almighty God forgives forbade even the presence of yeast at the Passover feast. Right? Feast, I'm sorry, yeast is leaven. They forbade leaven. And so fermentation in the bread is what is being rejected. Just like fermentation in the wine would be rejected. Um, so, now, as Jesus described the wine that is being used at his Passover as the fruit of the vine, and I, I would not use the word wine, the offspring of the vine or that which is born of the vine, now the vine does not bear intoxicating drink. The fruit of the vine is not intoxicating. See, wine, the, the intoxicating wine is a product of the grape. It's not a product of the vine. Right? You don't go and squeeze your, your fermented wine off of the vine. That rhymed. Did y'all like that? 
It's terrible to think of the mass of drunkenness that has stemmed from this kind of teaching, from this kind of false teaching. So the um, it was not intoxicating wine. Uh, go to uh, Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 15, uh, verse 14. Seeing then, so we're in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great... What are those next two words? High priest that is passed into the heavens. What's his name? Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. So a couple of things. Jesus' blood was without sin. And so that, that grape juice that would represent his blood had to be pure. Is that fair? Is that fair? But the other thing that I want you to see is that Jesus Christ is the high priest. And it, it's really important that we understand, we looked at it this morning, the Leviticus passage, where the priests weren't supposed to drink wine. Why would Jesus violate that as the great high priest? He wouldn't do that. He wouldn't do it. So giving that fermented drink wouldn't uh, go along with it. And then Exodus chapter 12, we're not going to take the time to go there, 19 and 20 says, Seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses. For whosoever eateth that which is leavened, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Whether he be a stranger or born in the land, ye shall eat nothing leavened in all your habitations. Shall ye eat unleavened bread." And then Jesus Christ in Matthew 5, 17 said, Think not that I am come to destroy the law of the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And although the customs of the Jews are no certain guide to Christians in this matter, yet it is an undeniable fact that vast numbers of pious Jewish families have used unfermented wine at the Passover all down the ages and are using such wine now year by year. It is simply the fruit of the vine. And there are different ways that they do it. This one says they cut up a quantity of raisins and place them in an earthen vessel and add water to them and allow them to simmer in the oven for a time, then separate the juice from the skins and pips, then put it in the Passover vessel. And they use the wine, this juice, for the Passover service of the raisins. So it's, just a, it's not a fermented wine that is used. All right, so... There are several issues that are terribly wrong with the system of drinking fermented wine at the Lord's table and claiming that it is the literal blood of Jesus Christ. This is what I was looking for a minute ago. The eating or drinking of blood is forbidden in the law. All right. Genesis 9.4, But flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, ye shall not eat. So, not supposed to eat it. Leviticus 17.10 through 12, it talks about that. Then in Acts 15, so before the law in Genesis, it says don't eat the blood. And then under the law in Leviticus, it says don't eat the blood. And then in Acts chapter 15, it says don't eat the blood. So before the law, during the law, and after the law, you're not supposed to eat blood. So it can't turn into the blood of Jesus. You're not supposed to do it. This do in remembrance of me, Jesus said. And, of course, he says that that flesh, it, it doesn't profit you anything. It's the spirit that does it. Um, so let's finish up with this, and let's, let's try to see if the Bible's clear on this. And uh, go to Mark chapter 14.
verse 22. And as they did eat, Jesus took bread and blessed and brake it and gave to them and said, Take eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said unto them, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. Verily I say unto you, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine until that day that I drink it new in the kingdom of God. All right. Any mention of wine there? What is it? It's the fruit of the vine. And he's not going to drink it again until he drinks it new with them in the kingdom of God. All right. Go to Luke chapter 22 and verse 15. Luke 22 and verse 15. And he said unto them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. Same thing. Fruit of the vine. Fruit of the vine. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. You all know this passage. Verse 23. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the new testament of my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Intoxicating wine is a picture of the overwhelming wrath of God that we poured out on the inhabitants of the earth during the tribulation period. And I could take you through verse after verse after verse that speaks of that. But I think it's very clear that the cup that Jesus Christ gave at the Lord's Supper was not fermented wine. All right, so there's been a lot of damage that's come from people not understanding that. Now, let me say this. You don't have to agree with the position that he was holding the grapes. Right? You don't have to agree with that. I think that that is the way this fruit of the vine, that's, that's what he said. He didn't say that this wine, he said this fruit of the vine. So, but you don't have to agree with that. That's a supposition. That's no problem. But when you put all the other passages together, there's no way that it was fermented. All right? Is that fair? All right. Who has a question?